This is a Media 8 production. This podcast may have explicit themes and swearing and may not be suitable for children. I think we lose sight of the fact it's all about the athlete. You know, like some people get involved and it's all about them, but no, it's all about what's their best for the player, you know, and you've got to care about your player. I killed anyone sees, you know, people say, oh, we'll do this, we'll do that. No, no, first thing, you care, on and, on and off the field. My first training session, I turned up and there were two drones in the sky, there was two iPads and it was being filmed. I said, that's one thing to change, but you know, it hadn't changed. There were still 40 humans running around on the paddock doing their skills, and I think we lose sight of that fact sometimes. The world is full of amazing people, and once a week, I get the opportunity to interview one of them. My name is Brett McCallum, and this is Awesome Humans. Today's Awesome Human is a Cricket World Cup winning high performance coach. He spent a decade in cricket as a strength and conditioning coach with the international and domestic success titles. 2015 Cricket World Cup, 2013 Ashes Series, 2013 Big Bash, 2011-2012 Sheffield Shield, 2009 One Day Cup title and a European Cup Championship with Ireland's rugby union team Munster in 2006. This bloke's worked with the rugby union's Melbourne Rebels and Queensland Reds, Queensland Cricket, Brisbane Heat and the Bulls. He's currently the Director of Athletic Performance and the Director of Track and Field at the Southport School here on the Gold Coast. With all the vast experience in high performance and a record of domestic and international success, I'm really excited to welcome this world-leading performance expert to our Awesome Human podcast today. Welcome, Damien Mednes. Thanks very much, man. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, thanks. That's good. Well, this is the first time we've met, so I love doing these when I don't know who you are or <laughs> I know about you because obviously we've uh, we've done some research and mm. done some something. But I love to, mate, the best thing about this is we, we like to learn about you as a person and about your life story and how things go because what we find is that the podcast listeners actually get right into, wow, he's done all that. But where did it all start? How did yeah. that all happen? And that's, that's the bit we're trying to get to the bottom of today. So... We're going to go in different ways. It's going to go left, right, up, down, all that sort of stuff. And I'm going to ask you lots of different questions. And uh, I always start my podcast with what's your first ever memory? First ever memory. How far back can you go, you reckon? Yeah, oh, look, obviously, I reckon probably about a three or four-year-old. Yeah. Um, I think one thing that does stick my mind, I remember my parents, we drove in our little old V-dub Beetle cans. or, or uh, wagon? No, we had a beetle and yeah. we had a uh, just a normal two door one. But Dad loved. Dad was Latvian and he always admired the um, the German technology and motor <laughs> mechanics. So we had V dubs and um, we drove to Cairns. I can remember that we broke a windscreen. But one thing that did freak me out, and I do remember it, was being on the in a glass bottom boat up at Green Island or Cairns. Oh, really? And because you know, obviously, I'd never seen anything like that before, yeah, and I was yeah. on a boat and I was probably scared as hell and. Next minute I'm looking down, I could see these fish and I think I may have freaked a little bit, you know. So <laughs> I wasn't supposed to see that as a three or four-year-old. But, yeah, that's probably yeah, – that, Amazing that how these things mind. stick in your mind though, isn't Amazing. it? Amazing, yeah. And the thing is during the podcast you're going to sit back and go, oh, I didn't remember that. You get yeah. all these little memories that come back and that's the one thing I really like about this is because mm. um, some, of, some of the things when you start to think back, most of, most of the guests, the three or, three or four was – Probably the um, the the earliest they can go back back from a memory because you're put on the spot as well. It's yeah, not something it's you knew. It's not a regulation question, is <laughs> it's it? It's not. Never no. is. That's no. why I like to catch you out straight yeah. up. So where did you grow up? Where were you born? I was born in Ipswich. Yep, the, sorry, Queenslander. The Diamond of the West. The Diamond of the West. Yes, I was born there in uh, 1966. It's 22nd the 11th. Uh, it's the day the JFK was also assassinated, but that was three years prior to me being right, born. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I grew up in Ipswich. Dad was uh, in the bank up there in the Commonwealth Bank. And okay. And he was transferred there, so we stayed there till we, I finished school. And my brother finished school. So where'd you go to primary school? Uh, Bavel Convent, Sacred Heart Bavel Convent. And was it a convent uh, with well, nuns the, the and stuff? Nuns, yeah, well, nuns across the road there. Were they nasty? A, a couple used to be. Yeah. yeah, I can remember getting a couple of raps across the, the <laughs> knuckles there. But um, yeah, no, that, that was. A, uh, well, I thought it was just fantastic, and then went to St Edmunds College, uh, Christian Brothers College. Okay. Uh, grades uh, eight to twelve. And were you a good boy or a bad boy? School captain, so I must have been oh, too there you bad, go, hey? um, Either that or you're popular. One yeah, of the two. I'm not too sure. <laughs> Probably no one else wanted the position. But, um, yeah, no, look, I think I, I had a bit of cheek, I suppose. But, um, yeah, no, I think basically I was a pretty good lad. Yeah. And were you uh, were you a jock back then? Were you like a nerd or how did you no, fit into I the – No, certainly, certainly wasn't a nerd as far as like sport in, in yeah. Ipswich. The, 
There wasn't the array of sports that kids have got now. Like yeah. there was, there was rugby Some league. Talented league players come out oh, of there, though. Wow. Yeah. Well, I played all my junior footy with Alfie and Kevy and all those. Oh, people. really? Well, yeah. Yeah. No. And great, great um, background up there it was a. You didn't have much choice. It was either yep. league. Union wasn't around then. AFL don't mention that. Nipswich. Um, <laughs> you get mugged. Soccer was quite big. Yeah. Um, and then I did a bit of track and field myself. So oh, you, I loved it. You mentioned your dad was Latvian. Mm. So when did they come out? Yeah, Dad came out here when I think he was uh, nine or ten. Okay, and uh, they do a, they spent five years in a um, army camp. Oh wow! On the Russian border somewhere or in Germany something, and yeah, look, I don't think he had the one the most wonderful childhood. And did he know. talk to you about that ever? Yeah, he did. Um, there was certainly some issues there as far as like what he was subjected to, I suppose. Of course, and he had yeah. his appendix out. You know, I mean, he used to always tell us a standard line was. There's no anaesthetic in those camps, son. You know, and, um, yeah. So he then he went. Uh, they did. They went to Bathurst initially. Then they go to remember the the Goodna era used to have a hostel or the Wakefield used to have an immigration thing there. And, oh, okay. For the migrants and um, and he went to Ipswich Grammar after that. So yeah, no. So Dad was um, he was a, a Latvian. There's not too many Latvians around. No, and does he? Did, did he like grow up as a Latvian as well, but in Australia? Yeah, yeah. yeah so because yeah. I know a lot of migrants back then still kept their yeah. culture and their heritage. Well, there's a small group of Latvians, which you know, oh, okay. they, and there's a Latvian. They club all come that, out together. Yeah, and they and they mix with the Poles and all that sort of thing too. Okay. And, um, there's a Latvian club in Brisbane. Yeah. He tried to get my brother and I into it, you know, a fair bit, um, but we didn't. No, we we were from Ipswich and we were pretty cool. <laughs> you know, we didn't want to go to this Latvian thing. But it's funny as you get older. And you see the Latvian women, and we're going. Why didn't we go to those <laughs> those Latvian classes when we were we, we could have met them early on? Yeah. So um, my brother's my brother went back. Yeah. Because uh, Dad passed away in 2013 from melanoma. Okay. And um, my brother went back when we were living in Ireland, and yeah. he said it was a fantastic place. Yeah. But I, I haven't been yet myself. And what about Mum? Was she Latvian too? No, Mum was from Warwick. Oh, okay. Yeah. So how'd they meet? Uh, at a at a ball in Warwick, Dad was up there in the bank. Yeah, and uh, what was the the game they used to play? The you know the dancing thing, the light shines upon the person or the couple, and they have you know they used to have the prom balls, whatever. Oh yeah, they used yeah, to, yeah, yeah. And they were the lucky couple, and they won a ticket to the movies. And Dad said he actually said to Mum, "Look, surely you must have a boyfriend. You can take him." She said, "Well, no, I don't." And um, there you go. And, and then he was in. Then it was away he went. And yeah, <laughs> so Latvian met a, a girl from Warwick, which is uh, that's amazing. Holds apart. So do you um, do you class yourself as Latvian or from Latvian heritage? Yeah, Latvian heritage. Yeah, yeah. No, I, it's funny. You had this. What would you say? Not this stigma, but when you were growing up in Ipswich, and you'd always have to give you know the, the little um, surveys that would come around the schools to say anyone from uh, heritage other than or European heritage or yep. whatever. And and I used to keep it rather quiet. And well, is that because you're embarrassed yeah, about I that? Think you because, think? you know, you're with the Smiths and the Jones and all well, that. You'll get sort beat up because yeah, you're a bloody yeah, wog and yeah, all exactly. that sort of stuff back you then, didn't wasn't it? You know what the reaction yeah, yeah. was, you know. And, and there weren't too many Latvians. Okay. You know, people knew, you know, in Ipswich, they knew of Germany, they knew of Russia, but they didn't know where Latvia was, yeah, you yeah. know. Um, but yeah, no, I'm quite proud of it, and my brother is very proud of it. He, he's got stickers on the car. I've actually got a Latvian sticker on my Ute. Yeah, yeah, Latvia, and um, it's amazing how many people do run into from time to time, and have got some connection or they know of some uh, some Latvia. It's amazing, know? isn't yeah. it? And especially now, like you're obviously um, generations down the line. Yeah, but then I, I think it's it's awesome how you still keep that cultural heritage um, look, there. Absolutely, I think it is important. And the girls, even my, my got two daughters, and I think they they look like they're a little bit laughing themselves. Yeah. You know? um, but yeah, no, I, I'm I'm quite proud of it. And as I said, it, it's unique. You not you don't meet too many people from Latvia. So I'd be more proud to be Latvian than as a Queenslander, being the New South Welshman that I am. Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to throw that in early. But the Latvian flag is actually maroon. So oh, there you yeah, go. So I, it was meant know, to be. Yeah, it was meant to be. So. <laughs> so you go to university after high school? Yeah, I finished school in '83 and went to teachers' college at okay. Kelvin Grove. Used to catch a train. You always wanted to be a teacher, or yeah, I was. I was into sport, obviously, and, mm. and the safe option. Look, there weren't. The, the numerous um, university courses yeah, around course. those days. You know, there's so many university courses now. I look at online, you're going, my God, how many courses are there? Yeah. And we just went through with my daughter who finished last year and the, the amount of courses which are available to these kids is astronomical, you know. So I went to safe option, of course, you know, what your mum and dad would be like, yes. you know, teaching, you know, in the banking <laughs> sector and this sort of thing. So, yeah, so I had catch a train from Ipswich to Kelvin Grove and walk from Kelvin, uh, from Roma Street Station up to Kelvin Grove and, 
did that for three years. Yeah? Yeah, from 83 to 86. And you qualified as a teacher? Yeah, dipped. As a PE teacher? Or? Yeah, PE teacher. And, and was English the... was my second one. Oh, okay. But never taught English. No? No. <laughs> and then, so you finished university, and then where'd you go? I taught at McGregor State High for three okay. years. Uh, it was a big school. Yeah. Massive school, McGregor, just near Garden City. Mm-hmm. And a great three years there. Fantastic. What are those kids like? Yeah, look, they were... I thought they were quite re- quite well rounded to yeah. kids, um, and they're quite an affluent area too yep. for a, for a state high school. Um, big sporting programs had a good league program, which I love because I do love my league. Are you still a leaguey? Absolutely. And so back then you were that was sort of still. So what were you playing still? Yeah, I was, I was playing a bit of junior stuff, and I had to make this decision because I was actually doing high jump at the time. I was doing track and field. Okay, because you're a big unit, and I had to uh, make a decision which yeah. way I was going to go. And um, I'm a one eyed Parramatta supporter. Well, I'm a one-eyed manly supporter, so oh, this is going to go geez. really well. You're New South Wales. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Queensland. You're manly. I'm para. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Just remember 1981, 82, eh? Indeed. Well, you've got to remember back that <laughs> oh, sorry, far. That's 82, so. 83. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> if you can remember back that yeah, far, no. that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> No, mate, they were great times back in the 80s. Oh, absolutely. And Manly and Para. I remember the old uh, Tui's commercial, like, here we go again, yep. Manly and Para. Yep. Yeah, it was, uh, they were good times back then, but yeah. you guys have won 14 spoons since then. So yeah, it was a tough We can talk about that all day. No, don't go down that path. <laughs> and then there's Jared. Yes. Yep. <laughs> the saviour who didn't save anything. <laughs> but anyway, let's not go there. So you went to McGregor. And then at sort of three years, is that your yeah. sort of terms there? Do you get little contracts or yeah, how does well, that work? Because I was competing, I was close to Olympic selection. For a high jump? A high jump. Okay. And Cyril Connell, who used to work at the Brisbane Broncos as their talent scout, well, Cyril's involved education, one of the great men of, of Queensland education and Queensland mm-hmm. sport. And I sort of put a request in that I needed to stay because at that, that stage, most people go bush. You've got to do your country service. Okay. And I was dreading going country, you know, and um, – and they said, no, you've, you've got McGregor High, which is what a stone's throw from QE2, where oh, I used to train. Go. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and that worked out fine. Uh, missed the Olympic selection 88 by, I think it was a centimetre or something. Oh, really? I was pretty shattered. So was that devastating? Yeah, it was. The most devastating yeah. moments of your life, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, you, you train so hard, do you? And it's because it's such a big money sport track and field, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funded to the houses. Oh, come it was, that, that was the part that. Look, I, I love my league and, and I loved all – I was playing tennis also, but I wanted to go to the Olympics. Yeah. You know, and I always maintain once Olympian, always Olympian. Oh, for sure. And to, to miss that by that amount, um, it was pretty shattering. And um, so – Who beat you? Well, no, one's, no one went. Oh, really? No, they didn't send a high jump in 1988. Yeah. Oh, John Atkinson went in 84. Yeah. yeah. And then after that we had Timmy Forsyth who went to 92. So, yeah, no, it was um, a bit of a – Bit of a hole. Bit of a kick in the guts, wasn't it? Yeah, so I then moved to Decathlon. Then you stopped? No more high jump? Bugger yeah. you, I'm moving on. Because I got too big. You know? Oh, okay. So I, I was, moved into uh, Decathlon for a couple of years and okay. had a crack at that and went all right, but um, I was never going to go to the Olympics for Decathlon because I started too late. Yep. Um, and I think it was 1993, I, I had chronic fatigue. Oh, wow. And I thought it was just the flu. Yeah. And the people I was living with, Brent and Tanya, and... I think I got the flu, so old school Ipswich boy um, put a tracksuit on. I went Spread for it out of you. Went for a run through Tarragindi. Yeah, and I've never felt so bad in my life. Really? And um, yeah, so it knocked me around. So it knocks was, you down for a lot, too. Doesn't yeah, it? yeah. And I and I continue to work and all that sort of thing. And and but you just had to monitor it. Happens a lot to athletes too. Yeah, but try explain that to a Latvian bloke who's been in army camp for five years. He got something called chronic fatigue. Didn't go down real well, you know. So. We didn't have anaesthetic, no. son. <laughs> is that the comeback so, for yeah, everything? That was. Uh, you wouldn't know what pain is, son. <laughs> so was Dad a supporter? Oh, absolutely. Like During Dad, that whole time, absolutely. Like Dad, Dad was. He's he's right. He he was rock solid. Mm. Um, as I said, passed away in two thousand thirteen. Was never. Vocal, or wasn't out there, you know, yelling at me as far as competing or doing. He was just, he'd sit there and he'd have a cigarette and a coffee. If he could have his radio, crossword, coffee, and a cigarette, he was happy, you know. And <laughs> what's up, mate? You know, and he'd, just, yeah. he'd have a chat. So he was your, your sounding board, you know. Um, and same with mum. Mum was the same, just a, although never the pushy parent. Is mum still around? Yeah, mum still lives at Sunnybank. At Sunnybank, yeah. yeah. So no, she's still going. That's awesome, mate. That's all. Awesome. I just got like one centimeter. Changes your life, yeah, doesn't it? it yeah. So you've gone to decathlon, didn't make it into decathlon. So mm. when when's the moment you realise, 
actually, this is not for me anymore. I'm not going to get up at four o'clock every morning and run around the track. I'm not going to do this. When when's that moment happen? That's a very good question. I think you know when you've had enough. The hung yeah. the hunger goes. I think the the belly was a bit empty. And you go, I'm not that hungry for for that success as as a competitor. Yeah. Um, and I think I was about 28 or something in that stage, and I sort of tended to think that you've you've missed the boat. In those athlete years, that's pretty old. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Except I think Linford Christie won a. I might yeah, have been 34 or something. Yeah. <laughs> but he's Linford, so yeah, that's exactly. Different. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I had to make a choice then, and I, I moved into doing some some coaching. I set up as. Are you still teaching at this time? Uh, yes. Yeah. And I went to Sunnybank High as a. I set up a centre of athletic development school for track and field. So, they wanted me to set up that. So, I went there, set that up for two years. Yep. And got some athletes through and just the school age athletes. And it Any was. Any of them superstars? Oh, Peter Birch. Okay. Um, went to the Olympics and he's, he's in charge of Richmond Tigers high performance. You know, he's the king dude down there now. Wow. Caught up with Virgie two weeks ago. Yeah. Because um, Richmond's got their big game on Friday they night. Have. Yeah, massive. So, um, yeah, no, he was one. And that was when the uh, uh, Tarimas were around too. Yep. There was There was Jai and that sort of thing. But, yeah, no, look, it was it, it was good, a good group of uh, guys around that stage and, and girls that we had. Yeah. And from there I... And so do you think you get as much pride coaching those kids to that level as you do about you achieving yourself to those levels? Do you think it's the same or do you think it's more or less? How, how do you feel that? I don't think you see yourself smile, but you see other kids smile when they win. And I think that's the best thing. You yeah. know, like you see when the kids, like I'm at TSS at the moment and we had our regionals here, districts the last couple of weeks. Now, in this day and age of where they've got phones and all these lovely things, they still out, they still give out the blue ribbons and the red ribbons and the green ribbons for third. Yep. And I thought, I'll just see how this goes when a 16-year-old kid or 17-year-old kid gets a blue ribbon, you know, because yeah. they give them to me to give to the kids. Yep. Fantastic. The response was – like just to That's see awesome, that smile. And I'm yeah. going, it's a, it's a ribbon. Yeah, but they wanted it, you know, and they got it. And they were taking photos with it, and they put it on Instagram. And I thought, no, that's <laughs> some of the simple things in life are often the best. And no, exactly, it was fantastic. So, no, I do like seeing the the kids the kids smile, and you do get the satisfaction because you don't see yourself smile when you when you win something. You're in, inwardly happy, but it's yeah. great seeing the parents and the kids being happy about their performance. Yeah, I always found that because I um, I played basketball and Aussie rules all my life, and uh, and. I remember winning grand finals, doing the best moments of your life. But then I also, after that, I coached and I got to pretty high level coaching in basketball. And I just remember the feeling when those kids won that you sort of sit back and you're so proud of them yeah. for what they've achieved. Nothing to do with you. No. Or it is though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But, so it's pretty much what you've helped them get to. Yeah. But And I find that now in business. So I'm a business mm. coach as well. So mm. I actually sit there and I love to watch these young blokes who are just having a crack yeah, succeed. Exactly right. Having I like a crack. to see them fail as well because they learn, yes. but then we help them bounce back. But I think um, I think that feeling is sometimes is better than when you were doing it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think there's uh, there's definitely something in that. Yeah. So we've gone to Sunnybank. Where are we off to next? Uh, I then went back to my old school, St Edmunds. Oh, really? As a teacher. Was that weird? Very. <laughs> Were there some of the teachers yes, still there? Yes, they still were. And... I, and <laughs> I can still remember our maths teacher, John Pete, and he was tough. Yep. And I was a year 11 coordinator or something, or year 10 coordinator, I can't exactly remember, and I was head of phys ed, and Mr. Pete knocked on our door, and he on my door, and he said, oh, Mr. Madness, I said, um, I've got five names here of boys that are up for this award for speech night. It's the all-round award. Would you mind giving me a quick summation of these lads? I said, oh, yes, no, good kid, that one. Yeah, or, no, I don't like him. Or smart-ass, that one. He goes, oh, madness. Short memory, have we? <laughs> <laughs> so it was actually quite good go, to go back to school. And, yeah. and, but it was it was weird initially, but um, it was a pretty tight-knit community, you can imagine, yeah, yeah. up there. And uh, and a, quite, a, quite a number of them have, have passed away since. You know, yeah. went to their funerals, that sort of thing. And so... To have to be taught by those guys and go back and work with them yep. um, was, a, was a good experience. Oh, that's good. Mm. So we've gone back there. When when do you make the decision, I don't want to teach anymore? Oh, about when I graduated? No, I should say. <laughs> Day two? Yeah. Look, I, I was happy teaching. Um, it was it was a solid job. Job pays the bills. Secure. Can't really get sacked unless no. you do something really stupid. But I just – I suppose that, that inner competitor was still in you and you – and I always thought, saw myself as a coach, not as a teacher, but some people say, well, they are the same. I said, yeah, they are. But are they? 
I don't reckon. Yeah, you're still instructing us. I think te- yeah, yeah. teaching gave me some great lessons on how to coach. Yep. So it was 1995 and I was coaching some uh, rugby league guys, some mates of mine, um, who were playing for Brothers and South. And in what, in strength and conditioning? or Just speed work. Just speed, just speed yeah. work. And I got a call from uh, Damien Hearn, who worked at the QAU, the Queensland Rugby at that stage, and said, and I'm hearing you're doing some good stuff, would you be interested in doing some speed work with our guys? And, and you can imagine Queensland Rugby in 95, 96, that was Eels, Horan, Little. That's Chan, right. You know, like I'm sitting there going, oh, jeez. So how old are you at this age? Uh, what's that, 95, sort of 32 or 32. something? Yeah. Uh, Pretty right? good phone call to get. Six, yeah. No, it was actually <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> professional. All right, all right then. <laughs> you don't get those phone calls in professional sport too much. Um, so, yeah, and then I, I thought. Was your first question, is it a paid gig? Yeah. Well, it was. <laughs> yeah. But then they asked me to go full-time the following year. And I remember signing a contract. I could still see it. I had to set up myself as a little business. And I signed it for $45,000. Wow. And this was to be in charge of all strength conditioning for Queensland Reds. And, of course, try to explain that to your mum and dad again. You're leaving the, <laughs> the cocoon of adulation of teaching and the safety and the security to, um, to go to, uh, to the unstable world of strength conditioning. So I ended up there and paid yeah forty five thousand dollars my first contract and I think I was on fifty two and a half thousand teaching that stage. So you're taking a drop. I'm taking a to massive drop. Do something drop. that you love. Yeah, yeah. Did Dad yeah. ever understand it? Um, I think ten years down the track they did. Yep. But initially, look, and I understand if my daughter was were doing the same, I'd probably say, hey, "What are you doing?" You know. <laughs> um, but I think they knew that I wanted to do it and I was keen to do it and and. Uh, I didn't want to be one of those guys that sits in a pub in 20, 30 years' time. Oh, I might have got offered this job, but I didn't take yeah, it. Knock that know, one back. Knock that one back, you yeah. know, and you become this disgruntled old man. So, yeah, no, it's a, I stayed there for the next and How was it working years. with, like, obviously some of these guys are legends. Oh. Absolute legends of rugby, Absolutely. which is such a shame where it is at the moment. Yes, rugby it is. In this no, it is. And not, not in good shape. No. But um, back then, though, like, they, they were flying. They were fantastic. And... They were good athletes and, and look, there wasn't the social media. There wasn't the scrutiny either at that stage. And Which you is a still, good thing. <laughs> yeah. As Dan Crowley said, because Dan was a pretty tough sort of bloke and he said, um, he said technology shortened his career. Because <laughs> 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 couldn't get away with things, you know. But, um, yeah, like, and blokes were allowed to be characters. So they had characters yeah. in the game. And now it, it's it's so staged. It's not the, the athlete's fault. It's just that everyone's a journalist now, you know, and, I feel sorry for him. So, yeah, it was, look, it was a fantastic experience. We worked with, you know, the Eels and the Horns, some of the greatest ever players for Australian yeah. rugby, and, and we're still mates today, and that's what I've, I've loved about sport. You're still mates today. You can still ring, you still text, and, and that sort of thing, and I think that's fantastic. We had our, uh, I think it was 20, uh, 40th reunion for the local Aussie Rules Club that I used to play at, the Kalani Val Bombers. Mm. They had that uh, about a month ago now. I couldn't make it. But one of the things is like everyone's online and doing that sort of stuff mm. and just some of the guys that turned up and yeah. that we're talking about and you sit there going, it's a, that exact thing. Like if I'm in trouble, I know I could ring that bloke. Yes. Because he could help me. Absolutely. Yeah? And it wouldn't, or if I just need to talk to someone or that. And that's because I think you've all shared those experiences. Mm. Like, um, I, 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 it's not like going to war, but no. like back in the day, yeah. like some of the experiences that those guys had, which I'd never sort of put in the same sentence as some of the sports stuff. Yeah. But once you cross that white line, that's just you guys. Absolutely. And and you've got each other's lives in your hands. It's, it's pretty amazing. Well, in team sports, you experience the, the deaths, the. The births, the marriages, the yep. separations, the divorces—you know—it's everything, you know. And it's it's a it's a journey. It's not, you know, and that's what I, I loved about the whole team situation. How long did you stay with the Reds? Uh, from about ninety-five up to two thousand and three, because then in yeah two thousand and three we all got the ass, you know. Oh really? <laughs> I'd been there th- through four coaches. There was John Conley, Mark McBain, um, Andrew Slack, and Jeff Miller. Yep, and. Then we all got told from the doctor, the physio, assistant coach, everyone was just gone, you know. And and that's that was a learning experience because, you know, how dare, you know, you get sacked. And I'd, I'd never been subjected to that before. <laughs> and that was, yeah, that was tough, you know. And you, and you didn't you didn't know how to deal with that, you know. You just lost a job. What's next? How yeah, am I going to feed the exactly, kids? Exactly. You know, so and that was a bit of a turning point. Uh, from our family's perspective because. So were you married then? Yes. We so when did you get married? Married Let's go there. in 19. 90- Oh, jeez. Um, 95. 
Yeah, 95. We're wedding anniversary last weekend. There you go. Happy anniversary. Yes, I won the seafood tray at the uh, Burley Heads Hotel. <laughs> well so done. <laughs> that was dinner on Sunday. So there you go, honey. I took that box. That was very good. Um, yeah, so we got married in 95. And, and Pauline, my wife, has always said that you know, I married a school teacher. And suddenly, <laughs> you know, a tour in the world, you know. Um, yeah, so we, we the next five weeks, in a panic, I suppose, yeah. without a job. Did you have kids then too? Uh, yes, a five and a two-year-old. Yeah, nothing like stability. Oh, jeez, you know. And, and then you get the, um, I suppose, the advice from your parents and your wife saying, well, I told you this had happened, you know, and this is why you should have stayed with teaching, you know. And, and I'm sort of you trying to. You could be a principal by now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. So. I, I, what do you do? Well, you just look online, you talk to people, use every <laughs> network you can use, yep. you know, and that's what you did. And and I, I applied for a job in Ireland. Oh, really? Yeah. And um, what did the wife think about that? Well, she's English. Oh, there you go. So yeah, that's Paul, handy. Pauline was born Andy, there. I'm going to take you home for a little yeah, while. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about you, yeah, darling. And you've got to test the water, you know. Hey, yeah. What do you think about this, you know? Um, and Ireland's not England. No. Ireland is a different animal. Yes. And the way I describe Ireland is it's a very hard place to go to, but even a harder place to leave. Mm. Uh, we met some wonderful people. But I was going to a club which was like Collingwood on steroids. So yep. it, it's a it's a powerhouse club in rugby over there. And um, so we lobbed there. And That's Munster. It's Munster, yeah. And we lobbed there and was it, must have been June 2003 or four or something. Four, five and six, yeah, four, five, six. We went over there and... Yep. We had five weeks to get kids' passports. We had to get our house rented. To get it was just mayhem, and I can remember Pauline saying to me at the airport through um, Hong Kong, whatever, or Singapore, and she said, "We can do anything now." You know that's what I mean? Awesome, like it was, it? you know, thinking, "Yeah, that, that's funny true. how you go from such a low oh. to such a high in such a short amount of time as well." It was. It, we didn't have much time at all to get organised, yeah. you know. And I can remember fun travelling with kids, doing it. Well, my eldest daughter Kate. It was the first time she'd been on a plane, and. We were two hours into the flight out of Brisbane. Of course, the, the, the ladies, the, the hostesses were fantastic. Yeah. And they'd given them lollies and drinks and we know what happened, <laughs> don't you? Dad, I feel sick. Hey, please. Yeah. <laughs> so that's when you thought, oh, God. Hey, 22 hours ago. <laughs> can you just turn around? <laughs> but, um, yeah, look, it was initially it was pretty tough in Ireland because um, – Where did you live in Ireland? Island? Lived in Cork. In Cork. In Cork. County Cork. County Cork. Yeah, Wonderful place. Fantastic. Yeah. It really was. And if we ever went back again, we, we'd live in Kinsale. We, we met some very good people in Kinsale. Okay. And it's a lovely part of the world. And and the beauty of Holland was we, we had, you know, we went on holidays two weeks in Mallorca, two weeks in Portugal, New York. We did all that. Nice, oh, isn't it? It was from that perspective, from a family perspective. Yep. Yeah, there certainly was tough times with the weather and that. And Pauline used to come home with Kate and Sophie to, um, to back to Brisbane here and get the sunshine. Yeah. Um, which is fair enough. The vitamin D. Yeah, exactly. And they needed that. It was good for them too. So but it went quick. How long were we over there? Three years. We we did nine years. We did nine years from 97 through to 05. Okay. And um, in, in London, that we lived in London at the time. And we had two kids over there as well. And uh, I know exactly what you mean by it. It's, it's a wonderful – it's really hard to leave, especially yeah. when you build such a community. Like we – because we're on our own – we, we landed pretty much on our own and you build family, you build friends and relationships and stuff like that. And we used to call it our uh, our England family, really, as yeah. is, is the people. And same thing, you, you, if you went back, you know exactly where you'd go, you know, yeah. all that sort of stuff. It's, uh, yeah, it's a pretty cool place. And I love Cork. I love Galway. I love yes. Ireland. It's, it's such a beautiful they're place. They're great people. Yeah, exactly. Hate a drink. Oh, mate, it's shocking, isn't it? <laughs> we actually we went to a wedding in Galway once and someone had passed away, so they had the funeral on the Friday. They then had the wedding on the Saturday, Sunday, and a christening on the Monday. We've rocked up Thursday night, and one of the guys goes, just to let you know, <laughs> no one's going to sleep for four days. <laughs> and it's just, but the problem was it was one of those uh, Irish Catholic church weddings. Oh, right. They went for nearly four hours, four hours yeah. after the hangover from the funeral. Yeah. The <laughs> Not a good idea. No, so and they have it a, wasn't experience. a party at the end of the reception too, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And invite another 200 going. guests. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, wonderful, fantastic. Yeah, it's an amazing culture over there. Yeah. So how'd you go at Munster? Yeah, we did pretty well. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, like, I, was look, it... I did. Rug, the rugby culture-wise, it was the greatest rugby experience. Because really? It, it a lot really... better than the Reds? Oh, yeah, from a rugby experience because yeah. one is a bigger supporter base. It, mm-hmm. it meant the world to them. It actually meant something there. I'm not saying it doesn't mean anything to Queenslanders. 
No, but if you go to a game there compared oh. to, and the atmosphere is well, completely you, different. When we used to play yeah. European Cup games, because all they want to do is win a European Cup and they hadn't hadn't won it. And we yeah. won it in, um, was that 2006 or something? And um, uh, they didn't want games before 5 p.m. because it didn't allow the locals to go to Toman Park, which was, you know, a cauldron like, yeah. like Lang Park, um, yeah. to, to get fully steamed. Yeah, so then they they oh, put really? games at five thirty, seven thirty, and the locals they'd be on the gas all afternoon, but in a nice way. There, yeah. you know, it wasn't riots or anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and of course. The flags would be out, and the singing would start. Yeah. And seriously, it was it, yeah. fantastic atmosphere. So I think when we made the final and beat Bay Ritz at Cardiff Millennium Stadium, it was an enclosed stadium because there was the weather was around, yeah. and the singing. Yep. If you ever get the chance to Google Munster versus Bay Ritz two thousand six Heineken Cup, it is unbelievable. Oh, yeah. It is That's just. Oh really? Oh. Especially in that well, close. I think the whole seventy-five thousand. I think seventy-three thousand were were uh, Munster supporters. Just a sea of red. Yeah. Oh really? And they, <laughs> and they celebrate, and we celebrate long and hard that whole week. Yeah. So, as the your strength and conditioning coach, there, what's your role? What do you actually yeah, you do as the all strength, strength programs, all the conditioning, all their speed? Um, you, you, you're the so co- you've got a team. Have yeah. you got a team at yeah. work no, for we you, helping you, or is it just you? You know, we had a doc and we had physios and uh, rehab. Yeah. They all work you, for you in you that, just, that way? Okay. You just got to talk to each other, you know, and, and, and I think we lose sight of the fact it's all about the athlete, you know, yeah. like so, some people get involved and it's all yeah. about them, but no, it's all about what's best for the player, you know, and you've got to care about your player. Yeah. I don't care what anyone says, you know, people say, oh, we've got to do this, we'll do that. No, no, first thing, you care, on, on and off the field, you know. Yep. Um, They're human. Oh. They're well, it's funny, I did a, when I went to Melbourne last year to do a luncheon for all these high-powered businessmen. And the first question was, Damien, look, you've been involved with the Australian cricket team. Uh, you're now back into rugby. Your first week here or your second week, what are your thoughts? Have, have things changed? I said, that's a very good question. I said, my first training session, I turned up and there were two drones in the sky. There was two iPads and it was being filmed. And I said, that's one thing that changed. But you know, it hadn't changed. There were still 40 humans running around on the paddock doing yeah. their skills. And I think we lose sight of that fact sometimes that, you know, we... We override Definitely. everything with data and technology, but there's still humans out there playing the games, and they still have their issues. They still have troubles. They still have, you know, flaws, and they need they need to be cared for. Yep. Simple as that. Absolutely, need to give them a hug, yeah. mate, for sure. So, Munster win the win the win the title. Obviously, another big achievement ticked off. No, no, you get I just, sacked no. there or decided to I come was, out. I had a good couple of ten years. <laughs> I was all right there. Um, now we made the decision yeah. because the kids were. Going to be eight then and five. The school thing come into play. The whole school thing. Um, yeah, we did. And that. I thought to myself, well, look, my wife and kids have been good enough to come over in the first place. Yeah. And of course, you think yeah. you win a European Cup, you know, like you're going to get a job anyway. <laughs> oh, walk I'll back walk in. back into the country. <laughs> Trophy we above back my in head. June and that's mid season, <laughs> yeah. and there's no jobs. Yeah. Of course, you get confronted with the great line again from your parents and your wife. I knew this had happened. You know, so. So, yeah, yeah. Stay the teacher, son. Um, so I, <laughs> I actually did a, a couple of days supply, and then I was working for a mate of mine, Steve Rowley, who has a sign business. You know, they put up signs at oh, yeah. pubs and clubs or whatever, and oh, yeah. drove around this ute yeah. uh, for about three months, getting twenty dollars an hour, and just putting up signs to the pubs. And it was amazing how people treated you. Oh my god! Like it was there. Really? Uh, it was like that undercover boss thing, you know. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, you get to watch from, from the other side. They, some people just treat you like dirt, you know. You're just a sign You're just a sign bloke. I said, yeah, from, I'm from Ipswich too, so be careful. <laughs> Look, <laughs> out. <laughs> Look out. So then you, uh, you, you yeah, well, when do you find the next job? The contacts again. I had to wait till seasons had finished. You know how it all works. Yeah. And I spoke to uh, Bennett King, who was the head of QAS, and um, Bennett was a former West Indian coach also. And he was the head of the Queensland Academy of Sport. And he said, look, I think there's a job coming up at Queensland Cricket. What do you think about that? And I said, look, I love my cricket, you know. So I went and spoke to them and they gave me a 12-month deal and to see how we'd go, and which was fair enough because they want to see how I went and they want to see how – yeah, exactly. It's Obviously a, it's coming from change. rugby to cricket, two different sports. So yep. signed 12 months and Trevor Barsby was a coach. And uh, the first year we won the, the one-day cup or something in Melbourne. We, we didn't have a – Wonderful team, but we had a team of people with a lot of heart, yep. a lot of ticker, and we won. Mm-hmm. So I said, we'll for another couple of years. And I stayed there for eight years and it was probably one of the best eight years of my life. Yeah. I loved it. It was – Really? I think cricket 
is synonymous with Australians and an Ipswich boy, you know, things like the Sheffield Shield and one. And I was meeting, you know, people say, what was the best part about your, your cricketing time? The best part wasn't just winning Ashes or, or World Cups or Sheffield Shields. It was actually meeting your heroes. That's yeah, fantastic. Some of the, some of the cricketers. Know, and, and we're mates today, you know, and you, I can text Rod yeah. Marsh and say, listen here, you little bugger, you know, how's your golf game? Like just little things like that. And that made it so <laughs> much easier yeah. to, to stay in that system for that period of time. So It's funny though when you go into those situations yeah. and you become a bit of a yeah. fanboy, yeah. don't you? Because you don't know what to say to them and talk to them. And yeah, it's uh, I'm a good mate of mine's um, Adam Holyoke. And uh, I went over to England when he, he got um, – put up on the wall at Surrey. They, they had a painting done of him because the most winning captain in history and they're in the long room. And so we went over with him and they, they put up there and there was all these English legends there. And this bloke's come up and smacked him on the back of the head and he said, oh, mate, this is Alex Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> yes. like, just those yeah. sort of things. It's like, wow. And, yeah, and then exactly. you work with them, mate. They're exactly. just blokes. Hey? They got these legendary statuses because they yeah. were obviously really good at what they did. But yeah, once exactly. again, they're a bloke having a beer with them and... That's uh, that's wonderful, isn't it? So you were with Queensland, then when did you uh, we get had a the Australian gig? Time because we, Trevor Barsby then left um, Queensland cricket. Um, we had uh, Darren Lehman come in as a coach, and and Wolf and I formed a pretty good relationship, and we had a lot of success. Yeah. I think we won the Sheffield Shield, the One yep. Day Cup, and the Big Bash with the Brisbane Heat in the space of twelve months. And that's because he was yeah, a man manager, right? Wasn't cricket it? mind. Because he was outstanding cricket mind. He'd, yeah. he'd be the Wally Lewis of, of, of cricket, you know. And um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> looks a bit like Wally. Um, <laughs> just a, a good bloke, and ha- has had life, real life experiences. You know, he's been through a marriage, yep. you know, a divorce, and uh, his, his parents had di- died, and just yeah, he knew he, he got it. That's what I always say about sport: people get it, yeah. and some people don't get it. But Buff got it, and he was at me to go to the Aussies. And I said no. At that stage, Dad was dying of melanoma, and Stewie Law was the okay. coach of Queensland. And then Dad died in on August twenty four, and Buff about a week later said, "Come on, come on, you got to come." You know, and I said, "Mate, well, just give me a bit of time, will you?" Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah but exactly. The, the Aussie boys wore black armbands in the last test at the Oval uh, for Dad. So yeah, no, it was actually it was quite good. Isn't but that amazing. Um, uh, then I signed yeah. with the with the Aussies um, in what's that? August, September or something. So that's a full-time gig with the Aussie October, team? Yeah, a full-time yeah. gig. But, you know, you had to talk to my wife about it because it's it's 280 days away a year. It's a long time. Wow. The kids are obviously a little bit older then. Yeah. And so yep. we had to, and she said, well, and it's not the money that people think. Everyone thinks that I was on astronomical money. Yeah. Yes, the players are. Yeah. You know, I think Buff did all right. Yeah. But they know that yeah. their line, Cricket Australia's line was, look, we can get anyone to do your job. You know, and and that's true. They get yeah. four hundred people apply for it, but the quality of person makes a difference too. So, and they just of come back home does. from the ashes, and they got beat um, over there, and they were battered, you know, pillar to post, and yeah, and I had a great memory. And this is something that does stick in my mind. Is I had the Australian cricket team in front of me. We all gathered for our first sort of group together before the first test, and I knew the majority of players just from state cricket and around the place. And I and kicked. Yeah. yeah, and I kicked and out all the staff. Yeah. Um, I said, look, I just want the 12 players. So I just took the 12 players aside upstairs of the NCC, the cricket uh, centre, and I said, fellas, I know you're being battered. You know, in the media, everyone's up you and you won't be able to win at home and you're going to go back-to-back Ashes series lose, uh, loss. And I said, we've all got an uncle or a cousin or a father who listens to the cricket on the radio or that country farmer who's in the tractor. He doesn't have... Foxtel, or he doesn't have free to wear sometimes. All he wants to do is get an update of the scores. I said, I don't think you realise how many lives in Australia you affect. So you think back, and I know my own father, be at water and something, you turn the radio on and hear Australia's three for 300. Oh, yeah, well, the boys are back on and turned off. Yeah. Or there's six for 120. <laughs> oh, no, shit, we're in trouble. And I said, at the end of each session, I want you to ask yourselves, how would that farmer be feeling? And that they yeah. bought into it. Well, the first test, the Gab, not for sure if you remember the first day, we were six for 148. And um, Had's come off. Remember Brad Hadden come yeah. off? And he said, shit, man, I yeah. think the, the farmer just crashed his tractor. <laughs> <laughs> but then Mitchie put on a, a – a, a, Mitch and, and Had's put on a, on a, par- a partnership. And, and when we won that first test, first thing Had's did was gave me his test shirt, signed, here's to the farmer. 
And I thought, that's good. Oh, you know, really? And, and I remember sitting around having a beer that, that in the sheds after and the boys saying, it's so true, Mendo. We, we forget that how many lives that, you know, if we want to get a footy score update, if we were on tour, we're going to see how, you know, Parramatta's going. Going, oh, no, they're losing. You do. You affect people's lives, you know. And and we got lucky. We got 5 nil up and it was a fantastic six weeks. No. I don't think it was lucky. Yeah. Right? yeah. It was some quality cricket. And that first ball that... Um, the Pommy Black oh, Steve Holmes, that was back slip. in the day, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah that uh, that sort of. No, it was the, a the whole season. It was a great experience <laughs> and one of the best Christmases we've ever had. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> it was over the series over yeah, three sure. months, so we everyone was. <laughs> so what happens there? Do they? Because um, I know um, Buff Lehman was yeah. right into the whole families mm. and and all that sort of stuff at, at cri- with cricket. Yeah. So did your family fly down to Melbourne and and yeah, did, Sydney, did all spend Sydney, time together Melbourne, and stuff when you're in to, Australia? Um, obviously, we go to the Melbourne t- the Boxing Day Test match. Yeah. We'd we'd have Christmas at the Crown. Yep. Upstairs. Then we go back to Buff's place, uh, his his um, penthouse, we'd call it. It wasn't a penthouse, just the top floor of the Key West. Yeah. And then we all fly to Sydney for the city test match. We go to Kirribilli House and meet the Prime Minister. Um, yeah, it was. You know, it's something cool. that I'll never get the opportunity to yeah. do again. Um, so we were there when yeah. Tony Abbott was uh, Prime Minister for two of them. Then Malcolm Turnbull came in after it. Yeah. So they, they, the yeah. family's down there for like for three and a half weeks. And there's a trip per year. So they have a partners tour, like the play the players partners because they're on big okay. money they can fly twelve months a year, you know. But Where's for the one? staff, they would it's fully paid for. Um, so oh, if you had any more than four kids in the family, you weren't getting the job because there's too much money. <laughs> like the kids, they went to Dubai for two and a half weeks when we played the UAE series. They went to England for the Ashes for three weeks. And, oh, no, little things like that oh, nice. make a big difference. Yeah, I You're travelling 280 days a year, so but, it's, but they're all it geared makes up, to go up for out a bit, that night. You know, we were in Abu Dhabi and it was 42 degrees and you're tired, come home. They're all dressed up. Where are we going for dinner, Dad? And you're going, I just want to go to bed. <laughs> it's been a long day, you know. So during a, during a test match, how much? Because you obviously do a lot of your work outside and before and the training and getting everyone prepared. How much work do you actually do yeah, during when a you test match? You're responsible for the twelfth men, um, so you have. You know, I was amazed at how much work all the twelfth men. So you could organise all the drinks, all the gloves, all the pads, all that oh, really? sort. Yeah, so yeah, oh, really? so you just so it's all part of what you have to men, do. But yeah. you know, it would be chewing gum or lollies yeah. or whatever they need. So then you do the warm up, obviously for the team on yeah. the morning of the match. But we'd always yep. have a couple of extra players. So they could be, um, if you're on tour, you've got a 12th, 13th, 14th man. Yeah. So at lunchtime, we'd run them yep. um, on the field, you know, just, okay. just to keep them ticking over. Okay. We'd then get, watch the first hour of play, leading the tee, I'd take them to the gym. And most, most fields had a gym. Yep. And then at the end of the day, that last session was always nice because you have a cup of coffee and a scone at tea time. <laughs> and then there's ice baths <laughs> at the end of the day. Okay. So it's it's an early like okay. you start early you know we're it's the day, it's at half past seven in the it's morning a long then, day, isn't it? Um, we finish at you know, stumps as it could be six o'clock and you're getting home at you know seven by the time you walk but yeah. I was also the music man yeah. for Australian cricket well, team yeah. that might sound like a big title. well yeah well, it would be a good title wouldn't it <laughs> there's no rap so what was what was the song all the music before. Yeah. And at tea time, and after, oh, but was there true, a one song that oh, always go out to? Yep, yeah. and then we'd sing the, the, yeah. the, uh, the, the team song. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, yeah. you had to cater for a, a fairly uh, wide group, music-wise, you know, and you had to read I'm sure the mood. You, did. you know, yeah. if we were in a bad way. I'm not going to play a bit of hip hop, am I? You know, <laughs> so you just I might pull out something from the seventies <laughs> and eighties where they can sing. You know, yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> bit Elvis. <laughs> And did you find that because obviously the media? I don't. I hate the media just because of the way that they um, make people look. And that, that, that's, that's a. In, in some ways, it's a good thing. In some ways, it's a bad thing. And as you mentioned earlier, with social media, everyone's now in the media and mm. and journalists and things. And they make a number of these cricketers look like prima donnas. They make them look like they're bad people. They make them look like all this sort of stuff. They don't show them some of the back scenes where they're going to visit the kids in hospitals. They do all the good stuff. They never show you that. It's just the bad stuff. And like at the moment in uh, with the rugby league, like yeah. it's semi final time, and their big things yeah. about Sam Burgess getting his ass yeah. out for a. Th- it's just ludicrous, right? So, did you find that there were many prima I donnas in the Australian prima cricket donnas. team? Like they were, they were just pretty. Look, they're, they're a brand amongst them within themselves, yeah, and they've they've got to be very yeah, very careful in what they do and how they go about it. And um, no, I don't think they're prima donnas. Um, you might say soft in some ways, you know what I mean? Like, but oh, yeah. um, 
basic good blokes, you know. Is that your job yeah, to harden well, you're them? You're not allowed to do that anymore, are you? Like I call it direct counselling, but I, I like direct counselling. Without doubt, and it, we always have well, without doubt team um, ethos and ethics and pillars about being honest. Well, <laughs> let's be honest. Well, let's it's be honest. pretty simple, you know. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I, yeah. look, I think players do expect a, a rev sometimes. Like if if you're down twenty nil at half time, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what Wayne Bennett said when they were losing to the Dragons there two weeks ago. I'm pretty sure he didn't mm. pat him on the back saying, "This is good, fellas." Yeah, this is going well. Well done, guys. That, that's good. Yeah, keep know, that up. I'm, yeah, I think you can be a friendly but assertive, but a bit of direct counselling does go on astray sometimes, you know. Yeah, so Direct counselling, I like that. <laughs> I might tell my kids that's what I do to them. It's called direct counselling, children. Go. And I don't think you yell every week. I think you lose a message, but I reckon once every okay. four, five yeah, months. Yeah, of course. You let rip and they go, oh, oh you can't Once you blow up, they know. No, so and that, that's, yeah, okay. that's life it's with your own kids, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And so as a strength and conditioning coach, like back in the day, Lily and all those sort of guys, they'd bowl 300 overs in a day, they'd do this, and like their warm-up was Ziggy and just go out in the field or whatever. But now like when when you've got all these, um, you're only allowed to bowl eight overs at a time and all this sort of technology as you maybe it's called. What do you think about that? Um, Look, I think – Is that because it's bullshit or is that because it's – job justification for someone and I think we're getting too many – Okay. Too many of the – there is a place for sports science, don't get me wrong, yeah. but don't let it override yeah. a lot of things, you know. And some medical staffs, uh, staffing people are getting a lot more say than some of the, the, the coaches at the moment, you know, and because they're worried, yeah. you know. And my thing about injuries, they always get better in time. You know, he's out for six weeks. Well, can we just push a few buttons, try and get him back in four? Well, everything heals in time. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we're, yeah. we're great at collating data in Australia. Wonderful collations, uh, collators of data. But interpreting sometimes is, is, is our difficult thing. We can't do it, you know. And, and whose decision is that, though, in like a team like like the Australian cricket team or something? Who, whose decision is that you can – like you're, you're in charge of strength and conditioning. You're the one that gets mm. them out there and makes them fit and gets all that. Does someone yeah, tap you on the shoulder and go, that's enough? Physio, yeah, the physio – Really? The so it's the doctors medical and staff. The, the medical um, staff. Buff, when he first came in, was very much like, no, you'd be right. And I can remember John Connolly always saying to players, you know, if someone was injured, okay, uh, Damien, could you play a test match tomorrow? You know, just so they couldn't train that particular day. If there was a test match tomorrow, could you play? And the player go, yeah, well, you're training. You know, it's pretty simple. You know? <laughs> Fair enough, too. Um, but I always think if you give a player yeah. an option, he'll take the easy one. And there are some players out there of who course. do that. And I have barometers in my team where I know that just say so we do a training session – I know there's three or four hard trainers there, and I go, mate, what was that like? You say, mate, that was bloody tough. Okay, we'll pull back tomorrow. I go and ask a bloke who doesn't train hard, how was that? And he goes, oh, mate, I need a week off, you know. I don't go down that path. So, look, you just got to talk to them, and you can sense it when players come in, you know, and how exhausted or tired, or you don't know what's happened the night before. I think I'll give you a great example of that. I was, once they were, but it wasn't this current job, but. Um, one of the players registered three out of ten or something for sleep, and this particular staff member said, "Oh, I can't, I mean, we can't let this kid train today. Like he's had three out of ten. I see you spoken to him." And he goes, "No, no, no." I said, "Well, I'll go and speak to him." And I said, "Well, what happened, mate?" He said, "Oh, no, the dog got out last night. He said it out three times. He said the kids are up and down. He said I didn't get much sleep." And I said, "Do so you right the training?" He goes, "Oh, yeah." He said, "I just thought, you know, I didn't have a good night's sleep, but I'm training." Yeah. So I went back to this stuff. He said, "Mate, he's fine. Yeah. Talk to him." It's not hard. Ask some simple questions. Because How'd they know it was three out of ten? Back to the computer. So oh, get off your computer and coach. Yeah. It's not hard, you yeah, know. And actually talk to the people. We, we produce some wonderful sports scientists, yeah. but bereft of personality, yeah. some of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? They can't communicate. Yeah. They're good. They can produce Excel spreadsheets, that sort of thing, but, uh, but put them out in the field and talk <laughs> to players or coach them. Yeah. We, we've, lo- we've lost the art of yeah. coaching in many ways. Very true. So, who's the fittest player in the in cricket, whether Australia or, or Queensland or whoever? Who's the fittest player you've ever I'll tell you what, the old survivor, uh, Lee, Lee Castledine? Remember, he was, was yeah, that survivor? Yeah. Leaker was yeah, yeah, very Lee, yeah. fit on the um, uh, the yo yo test, and same with Chris Hartley, the the, the Queensland keeper. Aussie wise, who do you think was the, the fastest over 2K when I was even? It might surprise you actually. He's a big year. over 2K. Mitchell? Mitchell Marsh. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah, no, he, he was wow. quite a quite, – he had a bit of an AFL background too, so um, he oh, had okay. a bit of motor on him. A bit of endurance. As far as athletic ability goes, 
He's a big unit. Mitchell, man, he's a big he's boy. He's a big unit. Um, wow. Mitchell Johnson was a good athlete. Great athlete to train. Yeah, Loved yeah. his strength work. And I think Mitch has actually he's built his new home over there in Perth with Jess. And I think there's a designated area for a gym. And he's, he's still training now. Oh, really? Shoots through some texts and about what he's doing. Yeah. I'm doing a 90 kilo snatch and I'm doing this. And I said, oh, good on you. So, <laughs> Do you find that, that that you, because you were their coach at the time of their, the height of their career, they still class yeah, look, you as I, their well, coach? Well, they have state coaches too. And that's the yeah. thing. But you, because you spend so much time yeah. with them, yeah, oh, they do, they do, they don't, they don't. I've been, oh, yeah, but they still, oh, I, I still get wonderful. text from oh, them. I really do. And only um, received one probably about two hours ago from someone and, and they still ask questions about, you know, what do you think about this? Should I try this? Or remember that, what was that session we did? And you shoot through that session to them, you know. So it's, well, it does, yeah. It must make you feel good. No, and you're still, and you're still yeah. mates, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they've obviously, yeah. they've, if they didn't well, respect you or they didn't sports. like it, they wouldn't say, mate, what was that session? That's awesome, isn't it? So why did you leave the Australian Yeah, no, we team? had, had a three-year deal. Um, originally signed for two. Oh, it was two because it looks mm-hmm. a long time. Came into my third year and I can remember we were away on tour somewhere and it was a long time away and I came back home and I thought Thursday, and it was a Thursday night and I just thought, oh, good, we'll have a good family dinner, we'll go out, whatever, home and Pauline, the girl, said, uh, we're going to the Mercedes-Benz fashion show, our life goes on. I'm going, okay. Oh, the penny sort of dropped. And I think I lost a bit of <coughs> time to pack enthusiasm. up. We sort of going, oh, dear. And we went to the World Cup T20 in India and I got sick in Dara Masala, mm-hmm. which, is, which is not the Gold mm-hmm. Coast. Ooh, that's Sounds where like the Dalai Lama resides. Oh, there you go. And, okay. and I went and asked a question because they moved the batting coach on, they moved the bowling coach on. I thought, oh, this is not looking good. So I just asked the question. Yeah, and they said, and they said, no, we 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 need refreshment, you know. Look, which I get, you know. I mean, it's it's not yeah. easy, you know. And I caught up with mm-hmm. Wolf three weeks ago down here at lunch, and got to cut the beers together. And he said, maybe I should have got out earlier. He yeah. said because it took a toll on him too. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and then I said, I've had a yeah. It's I didn't want to go to Sri Lanka. I didn't go to Sri Lanka too, but full credit to Cricket Australia, they paid me right through the end end of the contract. Okay. So I just had to miss that last tour to Sri Lanka. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and then so now you're yeah. unemployed again. Yeah, I was, I was, <laughs> it's, it's full such circle a again. secure industry, isn't it? You know, <laughs> it used to be good twenty years ago, and these people say they got a three year deal. Don't they? Not you got a four week contract. Exactly. You know, yeah, that's the bottom line. Exactly. Like. Yeah, about the same as all jobs, though, unless you're a public <laughs> servant, which is really hard to get sacked from. But um, like people say to me, I've been a contractor all my life, and they say. But what about the stability? It's like, mate, you've got four yeah. weeks' notice. I've got two. Yep. I can get out quicker than you can. <laughs> so, so then you, yeah, you I left rest. there, and then what? No, no, I need to go teaching and, again um, because it was such. It, it took a lot out of me. I'll be honest. I was pretty knackered by the end of it. And a mate of mine was coaching the Melbourne Rebels, and he said, "Would you be interested in coming down?" And I thought, "Daughter was doing senior. Can't move mm-hmm. her to Melbourne." So I moved down to Melbourne. Lived in a unit at Southbank by myself. Uh, wonderful place, Melbourne. I thought it was a fantastic place to live, one of the great cities of the world. Um, the team sort of was struggling. Uh, you know, there's a few issues at that club. Um, and then the coach said to me about, oh, I think it was about May, and they weren't winning games. Um, and it was just the great fellas, but just the playing list wasn't strong. Yeah. The coach said to me, I'm getting out. Yeah. I said, oh, great. And then the head of medical got out and uh, someone else got out. And I said, oh, this is not good. I don't want to move the family down here. So... Yeah. We jump ship. No, definitely. And that was on the back end of being away for three years, yeah. you know, and he's sort of going, yeah. Yeah, no. And here I'm yeah. home. I can, and that was no, I'm not going to Melbourne. That, that was yeah. probably the hardest six, seven months of our lives. That was very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, you must have a good, oh, she's a have a good woman, though. She's, she's stuck with you. No, hey? she's, um, she's been through a bit and she's, yeah. she's done a great job with the kids. Like, yeah. Uh, and she had to go yeah. to all those parent-teacher nights and organise formals and all that sort of thing and – um, yeah, no, she's and she's happy at the Gold Coast. <laughs> yeah, we're staying yeah. on the Gold Coast. We're staying Life's on the Gold Coast, good, you know. And, but oh, I haven't had a weekend for twenty five years, and I've now got my weekends back. Yeah, oh, pretty amazing how much you can do in really two days as well, isn't it? On a, on a Friday afternoon, Friday night, you know, just just the little <laughs> things, you know. And and uh, look, you get yeah. so wound up in work that we always make it. We've got to go for a walk on the beach. So just a general reminder, saying this is where we are, this is what we're doing, you know, and it becomes a lifestyle choice. And I think so many people now are, are reevaluating. Um, it is. It lost too short. Absolutely. 
Like you lost your dad yeah. in uh, in 2013, like five years ago. I lost my dad 13 years ago. And um, it's just like mm. he didn't get to do all this stuff. And you sit yeah. there going, I can do all this stuff, exactly. but I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. So no, let's you've, you've just got to enjoy embrace it. it. You've got to have a crack. And if you yeah. want to go and do it, and yeah, we've, we, we've learned a lot over the last 25 years and we've yeah. seen a lot. We've lived overseas. We've, you know, the kids, I think the daughters are pretty well adjusted kids and they're good kids. Yep. And, um, yep. and the oldest daughter, she's doing journalism. Her first year QUT, and okay. she's actually said a couple of times she she loved the sporting side of it and saw what journalists do and how they go about it, and so so it must have been some okay, yeah, yeah. I understand so a bit good. more and too. Yeah, look, we've you know, yeah, there were times when it was very tough, you know, sitting having steak burger in Zimbabwe at nine o'clock and a can of coke, going, what are you doing, Damien? You know, this is this is not exactly what's, this isn't supposed to be life, you know. <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. But I'll tell you what, you wouldn't uh, give oh, back no. any of those experiences. Oh, look, you do miss it sometimes, I'll be honest. Yeah, yeah. and yep. it's that competitive nature. It's that, you know, you're there, that animal's inside you, you know, and you, you, you love the team situation. But it's been a good reality check coming back to, you know, like TSS and you're going, yeah, this is this is pretty good. So Michael Checker comes up tomorrow, knocks on your door and says, help. <laughs> oh, you help because it's straight rugby. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't think he'll be knocking on my door. I don't think he'll be there for very long. <laughs> yeah, Might yeah, be enough. Someone else knocking on your door. <laughs> so yeah, why no, TSS? How did that happen? A, a good mate of mine down here, Greg Cornelson. Um, remember, remember the great corn man? Yes. I do, yes, yeah. He, corn, uh, yeah. scored four tries for the Wallabies. And it ran a total of three metres. But... Um, no, and, and he sort of mentioned that I think there's a job coming up down here. Would you be interested? And we always – he's um, – What's he doing now? He's what they call a philanthropy officer or something at um, at uh, TSS. So he looks – so philanthropy Philanthropy officer. Director of philanthropy. Give himself the title. You know? One of the best folks. <laughs> Every mother's son. That's his, that's his name. This is his nickname. <laughs> and he said this job could be coming up and would you look at it? And I said, well, yeah, look – it's it's normal. It's it's uh, it's not um, based on wins and losses. Although sometimes I think the rugby is bigger than the yeah. World Cup at, at, at GPS level. And so yeah. I had a chat and I had to apply and go through it. And we always said we'd move to the Gold Coast. My, okay. my brother lives at Crumbin. He's a surgeon okay. down at John Flynn, yeah. Paul. And yeah. Dad's ashes are down at Crumbin. Yeah. Mum yeah. was always going to make the move, and we didn't want to be one of that couple that come down at sixty five and. Oh, shit, we, we end up the bolster. You're years, trying man. to make friends, so yeah. we moved down here in January, and the, I took the job. And yeah, look, it's been. I always had this notion that TSS was just all the wealthy coast kids. I'll be honest, and I, I and yeah, exactly. I thought that wealthy it coast is not. Kids it no. is. It's what I've uh, no. nicknamed or labelled where the surf and the turf meet, because the the borders. Yep. I've met some of the most beautiful kids ever in my life. And from a range, you know, not really? just from Underwindy, but, you know, Western Australia, Perth, everywhere, yeah. Adelaide. And I think they're the biggest boarding school. The biggest boarding school in Queensland might be second biggest or first in Australia. Oh, wow. And Tony Watt and the guys out there, the oh, wow. boarding pit, they do a magnificent job. Yeah. So they just built this new magnificent yeah. gym down there, which we had to oversee in the, in the construction. And you get... The only thing that annoys me is the early mornings because I've got to go to school, you know, and I'm not a morning person. Never have been. <laughs> Never will be. Um, but so, what's your job there? What are you doing at TSS? Title, haven't they? Yeah. Director of Athletic yeah. Performance. So it's like Director of Strength and Conditioning. Oh, nice. And Director of yeah. Track and Field. Because of my track and field background, okay. they put this one. I don't mind the track okay. and field organising coaches. It is. Funny yeah. how it goes full no, circle, isn't it? So hey. true. And so I look after that. But yeah. I don't mind the track and field coaches and that. But try organise border lunches and buses and turnaround buses. I've got no idea, you know. So that's where it makes it very. It's it. It's schools have changed. Oh, oh. Yeah, of course they have. So how long since you've been a teacher? Oh, so I'm not, I'm not teaching. This. Yeah. Hey, I understand that. But obviously, yeah, well, back in the school environment, uh, twenty three. Yeah. It was 23 years. Yeah. Everyone's so got a title. Things changed. The head of this and the head of that and the assistant yeah. of this and the assistant of this and. My God, it's been an eye opener. Um, but it, the schools aren't a school anymore; they're they're a, they're a business, you know. And the and the principal is like a CEO, and it's, it's the yep. same for every school, you know. So, yep, yeah, especially private schools for sure. They're yep. they're big things. The bottom line, and they've got to get certain people in and doing horrible. horrible. 
Like, oh, it's horrible, isn't it? Yeah, one of the best views in the world. Is. But yeah. imagine if they don't sell the trophy, you've got to sell one over, and you'll be right. You know. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. <laughs> okay, so way we finish this always is with some quick fire questions. Okay. Who's the person that oh, most influenced that. your life? Dad? Seafood. Favorite food? Favorite song? April Sun in Cuba. Hmm. Nice. Or Gold Favorite Coast. place in the world. I love the coast. So I think oh, well, well, that was a quick one. At Billy's Beach House. Oh really? Yes, I've got Billy's Beach House. I, I was on the source one night. Surface Paradise Surf Club, okay. and we go across the Billy's, and okay. she was all dressed up, and I'm in a polo shirt and pair of shorts and masua sandals. There you go. There you yeah, go. I love the golf. The masuas part of the world. That's awesome. So, what's next for you? Um, Organise a track and field carnival on October 12, which I'm absolutely shitting myself about. <laughs> yeah, no. Look, I, I'm I'm very happy. Yeah, and I'm very, for a while. very happy here and just to Settling be normal, down, yeah. as I said before, to have my weekends back and, and spend time with the family and, and and give myself some time. You know, I think it's we've had yeah, a wonderful ride with it all. And, yes, there are times you miss it, but then you don't miss the silly season around August, September when everyone's losing their jobs. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. exactly. Well, mate, thanks so much for coming to have a chat to me. I've really enjoyed this. And uh, as far as I'm thanks concerned, you're an awesome human. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Damien. Cheers, mate. Thanks. Hey guys, thanks for listening. And what an amazing human. Don't forget to hit us up on all the social channels at BJ Macker and look out for more Meteorate podcasts.